Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the 22nd chapter of the book of Acts, verses 1 through 16. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. At this point, Paul is addressing a crowd in Jerusalem. Brothers and fathers, listen to the defense that I now make before you. When they heard him addressing them in Hebrew, they became even more quiet. Then he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, educated strictly according to our ancestral law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way up to the point of death by binding both men and women and putting them in prison, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. From them, I also received letters to the brothers in Damascus, and I went there in order to bind those who were there and to bring them back to Jerusalem for punishment. While I was on my way and approaching Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone about me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? Then he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I asked, What am I to do, Lord? The Lord said to me, Get up and go to Damascus. There you will be told everything that has been assigned to you to do. Since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, those who were with me took my hand and led me to Damascus. A certain Ananias, who was a devout man according to the law and well spoken of by all the Jews living there, came to me. And standing beside me, he said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. In that very hour, I regained my sight and saw him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear his own voice. For you will be his witness to all the world of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you delay? Get up, be baptized, and have your sins washed away, calling on his name. Well, good morning. It is good to have you uh, joining us for worship this morning. Uh, I do have just a, a few announcements that I did want to highlight um, for especially next Sunday. Next Sunday, we have uh, the return of our in-person worship. Uh, we're asking if you're planning on coming in person next week to please pre-register, and you can do that uh, through our website, springcreekcob.org, or you can call and, and uh, talk with Karen in the office and let her know that you're planning on coming. Um, 
masks are required and we've got the pews still all marked off and, and everything like that. Um, we won't be having live singing yet, but we're, we're working on recording some, some hymns and um, other contemporary songs for our worship. And so music will still be a part of the way that we worship. Also next Sunday is our um, council meeting, and uh, so you can join us either in person, on Zoom, uh, or on uh, the telephone, and uh, if you need directions for how to, to do that, please uh, call and talk with Karen or, or let us know if you need help uh, connecting those ways. But that council meeting is a part of how we um, organize, but how we continue to uh, plan and um, kind of uh, function uh, in our ministries here at Spring Creek. And so uh, the ministry continues, and uh, so we'll have that meeting next Sunday. Well, this morning we are actually concluding our series on vocation. And so far, our stories have been primarily from uh, the Hebrew Bible, from the Old Testament. And uh, this morning, we are going to look at one of the more famous call stories, really in all of Scripture, but certainly in the New Testament. And there are stories of God calling out individuals, calling out groups of people uh, throughout Scripture. And we've touched on just a few that kind of help guide our thoughts on how we uh, prepare ourselves to hear God's voice, to hear how God has uh, wired us, gifted us, uh, the positions that he's put us in, um, that we find ourselves. um, And so we've taken a look at some of these stories uh, to kind of guide our thoughts about how God invites us into his kingdom and his mission. And so as we take a look at Paul's story this morning, uh, let's just pause for a moment of prayer. Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to, to hear your call hear your vocation for our life this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is, uh, Acts 22 is uh, a speech from, from Paul. You know, Paul's conversion story we actually read in a number of places. It's, it's three times in the book of Acts and, and also kind of very briefly summarized in uh, the beginning of the book of Galatians, the, Paul's letter that he writes to the church there. Um, in the actual sequence, uh, as Luke is telling the story, Luke is the writer of Acts, and, and as he tells this story, the actual event happens in Acts 9, if you want kind of the, the fuller version of what happens to uh, Saul, who changes his name to Paul then. Uh, you can go and read that in Acts 9. But here in Acts 22, and, and also later in Acts 26, it's actually Paul retelling his story to different groups of people. And in Acts 22, Paul had been uh, traveling and ministering to different churches in different cities, uh, traveling around with some other uh, ministry partners, and he is, he is ministering to groups of Jesus' followers. And in one of those cities, it had actually been revealed to 
Paul and to his companions that if Paul returns to Jerusalem, he would be arrested. And yet Paul is very ready to go to Jerusalem. He, he's got uh, missions there. His, his calling is to, to head in that direction, and that's actually going to uh, release him to continue ministry in very different places. Uh, this is kind of a, a snowball uh, effect of places that are going to be opened up for Paul to continue to speak the good news of Jesus. And yet he is ready to be bound and to die if necessary. It's interesting to me how, how Paul's story kind of reflects Jesus' story, um, especially in, in John John's gospel, the way John tells the story, Jesus sets his sights on Jerusalem knowing full well what going to the city is going to mean to Jesus' life. And Paul, in a very similar way, sets his sights on moving back to Jerusalem. He knows that that's where God is calling him, and he knows he's aware of what it could cost him. And yet he is ready to go. And so Paul travels to Jerusalem. Paul's message to the, the Gentiles was extremely unpopular with folks who had supported and endorsed Saul's previous way of, of persecuting followers of the way, followers of, of Jesus. A good Jew wouldn't have had anything to do with Gentiles. And now Paul is taking the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles. He, he's, he's looking at ways of including them into the people of God. He, he's, he's embracing them and welcoming them in, into this life, into this, this good news story. And so his, his message has been extremely unpopular with those uh, leaders in Jerusalem. Paul is teaching the Gentiles that they don't need to follow all of the, the finer points of the, the Jewish law in order to be saved or in order to have a relationship with Jesus. And the apostles, who are, are primarily back in Jerusalem, uh, have kind of tried to smooth things out for Paul. They, they are uh, aware that things are kind of, uh, have been upset by Paul. And so they've tried to smooth things out with the Jewish leaders. And yet, as uh, Paul is uh, in the temple, a mob soon surrounds Paul and, and beats him. And it's clear for later in the story, uh, some of the, the Roman um, soldiers that come to arrest Paul, they start asking questions, you know, what has this man done to, to make you all upset? And it's clear that some of them don't even know why they're part of this mob. That's kind of the, the mob mentality is, you know, well, everybody else was doing it, and so it looked really, I'm not sure fun is the right word, but they all kind of jump in on it. Roman officers then come and, and break up the crowd. They arrest Paul, and, and really they, they save Paul. And as they're arresting him, uh, Paul actually starts to speak to the Roman soldiers in Greek. He shows that he, you know, he's not um, some hillbilly that doesn't know how to, to speak the language of the empire. He, he's well-educated. Uh, he knows how to converse in Greek with them, and that kind of surprises the, the Roman soldiers. 
And he asks for permission to address the crowd. And they actually give him permission. And when he starts to speak to the crowd, he addresses them then in their own language, in, in Hebrew. Maybe it would have been um, Aramaic. And Paul begins this speech by establishing his, his Jewish credentials. He reminds them that he was born Jewish, he was raised Jewish, he was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, who was um, a famous uh, Jewish rabbi, sat on, on the, the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish leadership. And he reminds them about how zealous for God that he has been from, from a young age until today, or, or until Paul's addressing them. Paul explains that in his zeal, he had persecuted followers of the way, that is, uh, Christians, people that were following Jesus. And then he tells them about his, this experience of the risen and ascended Jesus while he is on the road to Damascus. And then Paul, or, or Saul at the time, had gone to a man named Ananias who had explained God's mission, which was to be a witness of what he had seen and what he had heard. And Ananias instructs Saul, after he's been given this, this mission, given this, this calling, that he needs to get up to be baptized, to have his sins washed away, and call on the name of Jesus. So this is is Saul, and then later he changes his name to Paul. And, and really what that uh, change in name is, is about, Saul is a very Hebrew name, and he changes it to Paul, which is a very Greek name. And it reflects his calling, his, his vocation, that he is going to go and take this good news to the Gentiles, to uh, the non-Jewish people. Now, uh, then Paul says that while he was in the temple, he had a vision that confirmed his mission, his, his vocation to go to the Gentiles. Paul and God know that, that Paul's testimony won't really be accepted by the Jews in Jerusalem. And so God is sending Paul primarily to the Gentiles. And I want us to just stop and, and think about the, the turn of things here for a moment. First, you have Saul, who is trying to get rid of the followers of Jesus. And he's had this amazing experience of the risen and ascended Jesus. It has uh, radically changed Paul's trajectory. And now Paul is trying to serve Jesus. But also there's, there's another um, kind of turning of things. The Jewish God, who, who the Jewish people believed resided in the temple, in the temple itself, is giving Paul this mission to go to the Gentiles. Many uh, Jews at the time believed God was kind of their, their private deity to bless their own actions. And now this God is sending Paul to speak the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles. So let's look a little bit more at Paul's reorientation of life. Paul actually continues to be very, his word is zealous for God. This, this enthusiasm, this excitement for what God is doing in the world. 
but he moves from being zealous for the law to being zealous for the risen Christ. See, being zealous for his, his Jewish identity in and of itself had not helped him really see what God was up to. He had missed Jesus. He had, you know, spent all this time studying the law, studying the prophets, studying uh, all, all of the prophecies and all of that, and yet he had missed Jesus. I wonder sometimes if we have commitments to some of those other kinds of identities. I wonder if being American or, or being conservative or progressive or even being brethren or any other commitment to a label or set of values other than Jesus causes us to miss what Jesus is really up to. So, you know, I think we need to ask ourselves, where is our primary commitment? What, do we have a, a commitment to, to a label, to a group, or, or to following Jesus wherever that takes us? See, Paul doesn't give up his Jewish identity. He doesn't, he doesn't stop being a Jew. And he certainly draws on that background when it helps him minister to people uh, of Jewish faith. He also uses his Greek to, to get him out of trouble and, and then uses his Hebrew to communicate with his, his Jewish audience. But Paul's reorientation is now focused solely on Jesus and on where Jesus is calling him to. And he uses those other identities, those, those other, um, his education, his background, his upbringing. Um, he uses all of that to continue to speak the good news to all kinds of different people. Actually, in 1 Corinthians 9.22, uh, Paul writes this, I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. When Paul needed to, to speak Greek and, and needed to speak philosophy with uh, the folks in, in Athens, he was able to do it. And when he needed to, to remind the Jewish people of their heritage, of their history, of, of their faith, and he needed to do it in Hebrew or Aramaic, Paul could do it. But his primary commitment, his primary focus, his primary identity, and his primary mission was to follow Jesus. Another way that Paul's life is completely reoriented is that Paul moves from, from taking life in, in when he was you know, uh, persecuting followers of the way. He moves from taking life to a willingness to lay down his own life. See, what Paul discovers is the, the Christo-formed life, the, the Christ-formed life. Some folks use the, the language of cruciformity or others Christoformity, but they're really talking about the same thing. Cruciformity is being formed in the likeness of the cross. Uh, Christoformity is being formed in the likeness of Christ, and Christ works through the cross. What this means is that the Christ-formed life is the, the way of the, the servant. It is the way of, of self-sacrificial love even for one's enemies. 
This is what we see in, in Jesus, laying down his life even for the enemies of God. It is power through becoming powerless. Paul was once the one with all the worldly power. He, he's getting permission from the Jewish authorities to, to round up uh, people that are following Jesus, to execute judgment on them. He was the powerful one. He was the one with the authority by worldly standards, getting official permission overseeing and approving of the stoning of Stephen early in the book of Acts. But now Paul is the one being beaten and persecuted for his commitment to Jesus. See, for Paul, the Christ-formed life is more than just committing to go to the temple or, or the synagogue more. It is a complete and radical reorientation of his life, of the direction of his life, of his, uh, his uh, choice in companions, his choice in, in missions, where, where he's going. It's all a, a, a commitment to following Jesus and a reorientation of his life and his vocation, his vocation as a follower of Jesus. His vocation as one called to bear witness to the things he had seen and heard. His vocation as, as one sent to proclaim the good news that Jesus is the king through his life, through his death in the place of sinners and conquering death. He goes through death to resurrection. And it's this message that Paul is given the calling, the, the vocation to go and take to the Gentiles. It takes a complete reorientation or a reversal. What, what the Bible called, the Bible's language for it is confession and repentance, to, to change our direction and to focus on Jesus. I use this... Um, this picture uh, this past Thursday with our, our Thursday night together class. Um, and I wanted to share it with you again because it was uh, on my mind, on my heart when, when I was writing this sermon. When we talk about confession, confession is, um, think about it this way. It's when you're driving down the road and you realize that you're not going in the right direction. And uh, what happens a lot of the time in our car is uh, I usually say, Katie, we're not heading in the right direction. And usually she knows that already. Um, of course, I'm usually stubborn enough that I just kind of keep heading in that direction until I find the right place to pull over or, or I think that magically the road makes a U-turn in and of itself or something like that. I'm usually stubborn, so it takes me a little longer to say that, to admit it, to confess it. And then even longer for me to actually stop and get turned around. But that turning around, that's what repentance is. To reorient towards where you want to go. And for that us, that's, that's Jesus. To turn around, to head back towards the way, the truth, and the life. But life, the, the journey of following Jesus doesn't stop 
once you make that, that U-turn. Now we're on the journey back towards Jesus, in the direction of Jesus, trying to get even closer to Him as our, our Lord and our Savior, and that's what we call discipleship. And truthfully, we all miss our vocation, our calling at times. We don't always get it right. And so it's important for us to stop, to admit when we're, when we're not heading in the right direction, and to get turned around. And so this morning we are going to have uh, some statements of confession. I'll uh, read the part of the one, and I'll invite you at home and in the sanctuary to respond uh, with the part for all. When we do not listen to your voice in the depths of our own hearts, calling us to love and forgive, Lord, have mercy. When we do not listen to your voice in our common life, calling us to welcome the stranger and create community, Christ, have mercy. When we do not listen to your voice in our world, calling us to work for justice and to make peace, Lord, have mercy. The word is very near to us in our hearts and on our lips. In Christ we are forgiven, our lives are made new, and our future of hope is restored. Thanks be to God. Amen. We are going to respond now together uh, with the words of amazing grace.
You know, we all have different road to Damascus stories like Paul's. Whatever your story, wherever you're at, Jesus calls us. Jesus invites us into his kingdom and his kingdom project. This is our vocation. And so I want to ask you this morning, what's your next step as you are hearing God call and as we're learning to to respond in faithfulness? For Paul, his next step was to find Ananias, someone that could could help guide him, uh, who said he needed to repent and and be baptized. And if that's the next step for you, I'd love for you to give me a call or or a text or email, uh, and let's, let's talk about what that means for you. For others, maybe you've been trying to reorient your life to Jesus for a long time. Maybe Jesus is is trying to fill in the details of how you are specifically called to live out your vocation. I encourage you to, to pray hard, to discern with others, and to listen hard to the voice of God calling. Maybe there's other ways that you need to respond, to to step out in faith to the way God is calling or inviting you this morning. As we leave this this time and, and this space of worship, would you receive the benediction? May we learn to tune our ears to hear God's call. May we live in faith and faithfulness to God's call, and may we all live out our God-given vocation each day. God's blessings on each of you. Have a great week, Spring Creek.